question still remains, what if you had one month to live? What, what, what would it look like for you? I mean, and here's the reality. It's not, about, it's not about death. It's about living. It's about living our lives with intentionality and purpose and passion. And here's the reality. And I love this quote. It's by Alan Sash. It says, death is more universal than life. Everybody dies, but not everybody lives. The, the premise of this book that was actually is where we took the series. It's from an author named Carrie and Chris Shook, who's a pastor. It's a great book. I would encourage you, if you've not ever seen this book, you should pick it up. It's a phenomenal book, and, and, and some of the direction of where we're going to go uh, lands from this book. But, but if you only have one month to live, it would dramatically change the way that you lived your life, right? I mean, it just would. I mean, the most important things would just, like, plunge to the surface, there would be this urgency and intentionality about the things that we did, the, the words that we used, the people that we connected with, the things that we involved ourselves with. And today we're going to talk about this idea of living passionately. This idea that, that we're not just going to be here and exist, and, or, as, or as Wendell said, we're going to be oxygen thieves. We want to live our lives with, with purpose and passion. And, and, and the reality is, as we do this, we begin to accomplish the things that God wants us to accomplish and actually become the people that God longs for us to be. What's interesting is that we live in a world that is void of passion. We have people that go to work that have no passion. We have people that are in marriages that have no passion. We have people that are in families that have no passion for their kids, no passion for their parents. And we have people that are desperate for this thing known as passion. I, I want to start by just kind of quoting the great theologian Tim McGraw. I don't know if you know who that theologian is, but he wrote this song. And, and the song is this, I went skydiving. Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. And I loved deeper. And I spoke sweeter. And I gave forgiveness I'd been denying. And he said, someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. And I'm not the biggest country music fan, but I love this song because it talks about the idea of soaking up every second of every day to make our lives count. To be fully engaged. And, and, and I love that first line. Have you ever been skydiving? They talked about it in this clip. And How many of you, just by show of hands, want to do that before you die? Let me see your hands. All right, it's on your bucket list. How many of you have done that before? Okay, some of you. Very good. I, uh, I, I've done a lot of things, and this was one of those moments where we, uh, we took a friend. He didn't know what was going on. He was turning 30, and we, we kidnapped him, and we threw him in a Jeep, and four of us went skydiving. If you've ever had that fear of falling like in your sleep when you wake up and you're in a cold sweat, if you've never skydived, it's about a million times that feeling. I mean, it's unbelievable. I also want to thank Dan Aykroyd for uh, jumping with me. It was amazing. He looked just like Dan Aykroyd. But some questions that people always ask, like, were you scared? It's like, yes, does a bear poop in the woods? Did you see my face? I'm like, I'm like oh, no, this is, I don't even want to go. I mean, it's so scary. To watch my buddy fall out. I mean, right in front of me, he just disappeared. I mean, it was like throwing a, like a, a, a car out, and he just, he just was gone. I mean, it was this unbelievable experience. And you, we're about 14,000 feet up, and you fall at a rate of 120 to 180 miles an hour. That's why my ears were, like, flapping, and my neck's skin was flapping. That's, that's, those are gross words right there, neck skin flapping, anyway. But, but it was, I mean, you, it's amazing. I mean, it's just, you, 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 you're falling, and, and the cameraman kept saying, hey, listen, before we go, when I come out to you, make sure you say, like, I love you to your wife, and, and, and whatever you want to say, just to get brownie points, and every time he would come close, all I could think of was going, whoa, that's all I could do. I didn't know what else to do. And, and then, I don't know if you noticed this, and, and it was so quick, and we don't have time to show you again, but the reality is, 
They told me, hey, listen, he's going to point over your shoulder and tell you when to pull the cord, all right? And I don't know if you saw that and saw that. He did it three times. This is, this is the level of ADD that I have, okay? I, I never pull the cord. I mean, I have one job, all right? That's it. Pull the cord. And he's like, pull it, pull it, pull it. I guess I'll pull it. I mean, that's ADD on a high, new, uh, high level. I need lots of medication. I almost became a human airbag for Dan Aykroyd. I mean, it just was the reality. But, but here's the deal. In this, it is not about this collection of adrenaline rushes that we're supposed to assemble uh, in the last month of our lives. It's not about that. It's about living. It's not about dying. It's about living. It's about moving beyond the mundane. It's about moving beyond the to-do list that rob us and and the circumstances that sometimes eclipse us and keep us from being the people that God longs for us to be. And and, and here's the question, the deep-seated question that we all have, and here it is. How do I live my life in a way that when I look back, I can say no regrets? I mean, don't you want to do that? If there's anything that you ever do in your life, isn't it one of those things where we, you, you, you can look forward and live your life forward knowing that it, with the end in mind, being able to look back and go, hey, listen, no regrets, none. I did everything that I was supposed to do. I said everything that I was supposed to say. I went everywhere that I was supposed to go. I did everything that God wanted me to do. No regrets kind of living. That's what we're after in this series. That's my heart for us in this. In Psalm 90, verse 12, it says this, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. There's some gravity in those words. Teach us to number our days. We don't have like infinite amount of days on this planet. We just don't. The reality is we don't know how many days we have, but teach us to number our days and help us to spend them as we should. Because at the end of our lives, we don't need a a pile of stuff and also a pile of regrets. That's not who we are. That's not who God made us to be. We have to focus on what matters most. Because when all is said and done, here's the deal. It's not about the the golf handicap that you have or or the insignia on the hood of your car or the title that you have because of all the work that that, that you did. It's not about the clothes that you drive or the clothes that you wear or the car that you drive or the house that you live in. It's not about any of those things. It's about living passionately. It's about living our lives and when we look back, we go, zero regrets. That's what we're after. The Bible speaks over and over about the fact that our lives are very short. They are. They're very short. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 and 2 says, There's a time for everything, a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born, and a time to die. Psalm 39, 4, David says this, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is but a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. James 4, 13 through 15. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live, we will do this or that. God's word gives us extreme clarity when it comes to our lives, that they're short that they're here today, gone tomorrow. David said, hey, remind me how brief my my time on earth will be so that I can spend it well and live with passion. James, the half-brother of Jesus, said, here's the reality. We say all these things, we're going to do all these things, and here's the reality. Tomorrow is not promised to us. Today is what we have. Tomorrow is a gift. We are but a mist that is here, and then in a moment, vanishes. 
It's incredible brevity and, 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 and clarity and gravity to, to these words. And here's the question. Where does passion come from? Is it something like you, you work out and you have this work ethic and then it appears? Is it something that you acquire? Is it something that you're born with? Where does passion come from? I'll, I want to start out. If you've got your notes, go ahead and grab these because we're going to dive in today. Passion, here it is. Passion originated in the heart of God. Passion originated in our Creator. It did. And here's the deal. Genesis 1-1. And here's the thing. If you're not a Christ follower, here's the reality. If you can believe Genesis 1-1, you can believe everything else from there. It says this, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. From the very moment God spoke the world into existence and it came. He said, hey, let there be light. And he threw the sun into the sky and held it in place. He gobbles up some stars and just throws them into the cosmos where they stay in their spots. God spoke the world creatively and passionately into existence. I love what Proverbs says in in Proverbs 6.14. 16.4, God made everything with a place and a purpose. And I don't care what it is, the Great Barrier Reef, the, the view from Mount Rainier in Washington, the cascading power of the Niagara Falls, the Red Rocks of Utah, the California Redwoods, the Yellowstone National Park that's located in multiple states, the lush rolling hills of Ireland, the safaris in Africa, the Grand Canyon in Arizona, and the crystal blue waters of the Caribbean Sea. He put all of those in place on purpose for us. I love what Psalm 19, 1 through 3 says. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day and night they pour forth. Night and day they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. It's powerful. See, God didn't hold back. He didn't settle or compromise when it came to everything that he made. There is no cookie-cutter version of God's pieces. He makes everything original. God used every crayon in the box. He splashed every color on the canvas of creation to show us the depth of his love and his passion. He spared nothing. And I love what this scientist says. He says, what makes things baffling is, is their degree of complexity, not their sheer size. A star is simpler than an insect. God gave us five senses. He gave us sight and smell and hearing and taste and touch because he wants us to experience all of his creation to live passionately. You see, his creation points to a creator who made everything that we can see for his glory and for our good. It impacts how I treat my wife and my family and those who I care about. It impacts how I view myself because the reality is it didn't just happen. It didn't just bang and and all of a sudden we're here. We're not here by mistake or accident. We're here on purpose and for purpose. Colossians 1.16 says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. See, one of... God's great gifts to us is his creation to enjoy, discover, and be the best stewards that we can. And here's the reality. I haven't even spoken about his prized possession, which is mankind. On the sixth day, God made man and woman, and he said, it is very good. All the other things that he had made, he said, good. But when he came to Adam and Eve, he said, this is very good. And he said this about us, about his creation. Psalm 139, and this may be your verse today. For you knew, you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. 
You see, some of us in the room struggle with significance and worth and value. And here's the reality. God made you on purpose, fearfully and wonderfully made. It says he knit you together in your mom's belly. And I don't know if you've ever seen, like, someone knit. You know, I had a grandmother that used to knit. It's like, it takes forever. There's, like, all this attention to detail. You have to pay attention. You have to make sure you're doing this right. It takes a lot of time. This is what the psalmist is saying when God made us, who you are down to your unique personality and temperament and, and gifts and abilities and eye color and hair color and all those things. God made you exclusively unique, distinctively irreplaceable with your own set of DNA and your own fingerprints. That's how he made you. And here's the cool thing. God didn't just make you and then forget about you. He thinks about you. Look what else David says about this God who created us. He said this in verse 17 and 18 of Psalm 139. How precious are your thoughts about me, O Lord. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. As a parent, if you have kids, you know how much you think about your kids, how much you think about them, what you want to do for their lives, how much you love them, how much they matter to you, what you want to do and invest in their lives, what you get concerned about, what you pray for. Your mind is consumed often with your kids. How much more so is God consumed with us? It says, how vast your thoughts are about me. They outnumber the grains of sand, okay? God didn't just make you. He thinks about you. He loves you with a relentless, passionate love. In your notes, God has a passionate plan for his creation. You see, God had a plan when he created mankind. God has a radical commitment to his creation. Everyone in the room, I want you to say this word, yada. Say it again, yada. It's Hebrew, and this is what it means. It means to, to know and be known, to love and be loved. That's what intimacy is. And the reality is, is that this is the desire, this is the critical need of every human heart. This is what makes Christianity distinct from every other faith system on the planet. Value number two for us is relational intimacy, which simply means yada, to know and be known, to know God and be known by God, to love God and be loved by God. That's the reality. That's why we spend time in his word. That's why we give you these 2020 things, not because of religion, but because we want to we wanna walk with God. We want to know God more. That's what we're about, yada. Very early in the Jewish culture, they had this prayer that they would say over and over and over again called the Shema. And it comes out of Deuteronomy chapter 6, and it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then they say this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. The Shema, they would say it over and over again because it was about this thing called yada. It's about intimacy, knowing God, knowing him, being known by him, loving him, being loved by him. And I love what Rick Warren, who's a pastor, he wrote this book, Purpose Driven Life. Maybe you've seen this book. This is what he writes in the very beginning of the first chapter. He says this, you are not an accident. You're not. Your parents may have not planned for you to be born, but God did. He wanted you alive and created you for a purpose. And focusing on yourself will never reveal your purpose. You were made by God and for God, and until you understand that, life will never make sense for you. Only in, in God do we discover our origin, our identity, our meaning, our purpose, our significance, and our destiny. You were made on purpose to experience yada with your creator. In your notes, God sent his son to reconnect us to abundant life. Maybe you've heard that term before. It comes out of a passage in John chapter 10, verse 10, where Jesus says, uh, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. 
The very beginning of that passage, Jesus talks about an enemy, and the Bible calls him Satan or the devil or the liar. There's many, many names, and his his whole mentality, the reason that he walks around and, and goes all over the earth with his with his with his enemies are basically to kill, steal, and destroy your life. To take all the things that God wants to do in your life, to try to strip you of them or to, to release your grip of them so that you can, you can live a life apart from God. That's his whole desire. He can't hurt God, and so he wants to go after God and hurt God in a powerful way, which would be to hurt his kids. And so he's always trying to lie or deceive or tempt or, or eventually get you to bite, and then once you bite, he, he will accuse or condemn you, try to move you away from the heart and vision and plan that God has for you. But Jesus said, but I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. Or another version says, abundant life. I love what the message says. It says, a thief is only there to kill, still kill and destroy. I came so that they would have real and eternal life, more and better life than they've ever dreamed. That's his heart for us. And we just spent six weeks talking about the Passion Week of Jesus as it ramped up to Easter. And we talked about Jesus' passionate death on the cross and then him coming back from the grave so that we could be reconnected back to God. The Christian life is the definition of what it means to live passionately, or at least it should. God's called us to live passionate lives. Too often we reflect the world, we don't look any different, and here's the reality, God's called us out of darkness into his glorious light. And I love what the scriptures say, Paul talks about this idea that when someone gives their life to Christ, things begin to change in their lives. And let me give you this last point, because we're running long. God calls us to live passionately and impact the world. God calls us to live passionately. Our, our creator is a passionate creator. He's created us on purpose with passion. And, and when we meet and connect with him, when we understand who he is and what he's done, what Jesus did for us, the reality is our response should be to live passionate. And when we do that, the outcome is we impact the world. And Paul talks about this in Romans 12, 9 through 11. He says this, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another uh, in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but to keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the sight of everyone. And if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, and I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary... If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Question. What if we lived that way? What if we were just devoted to one another in love? What if we hated evil? What if we cling to what was good? What if we treated all people in our lives, the waitress that we're going to see later, the co-worker, your teacher, your neighbor, the way that God treats people? What if, if you were so passionate about what it meant to live for God that you would even bless those who, who, who wanted the worst for you? Instead of you know, our first response, which is to get them back, to make them pay, to give them hell, we said, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to let God take care of that. 
He promises that he'll take care of that. I don't need to do that. I just trust him. I'm going to keep my eyes on Christ. I'm going to, no matter what goes on, no matter what happens, no matter what circumstances come my way, I'm going to keep my eyes on him. I am going to live with passion. Here's the question, students. What would it look like if you lived this way? If you took Paul's words in Romans chapter 12 and you lived this out in your school, in your classrooms, with your teachers, with your friends, with your teammates, what would that look like? How would it change those around you? Adults, how would it change your workplace if you lived like Paul talks about? We live passionate lives. How would it impact your home? How would it transform your marriage? How would it change the way that we, we interact and, 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 and pour into the lives of our kids? How would it impact or change the way that we served here and whenever God called us to do something? How might it impact every person that we lock eyes with, even if it's just for a moment? Jesus said these words in Luke 10, 27, that you should love the Lord your God with all your passion, all your prayer, all your muscle, and all your intelligence, and then love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. It's his life. It's what he did. If you want to know what it means to live with passion, just follow the Gospels and watch Jesus' life. Watch those who follow Jesus. Watch Jesus teach. Watch how he cared for people. Watch how he, how he spoke and how he, how he engaged people regardless of whether they had money or they had nothing, whether they were, they were loving God or whether they hated God. That was the life of Jesus. God's heart for us in the series is that we'd come alive, that we'd experience abundant life, that we would become so contagious that we would change the world around us. I'm going to close up. Next week, we're going we're gonna to talk about what it means to love completely. Not in part, because, hey, everybody can love people in part, but God tells us to love completely. And we're going to get to do this beautiful thing. Uh, next week, we're going to celebrate people being baptized. And, and here's the reality. we got a lot of people that are already planned on, planning on doing this. It's awesome. Super excited. There's going to be some amazing stories. These are some of the best services that we ever have around here. We're going to flip gyms with the children's area because we can't bring water into, on, onto, onto this court. So we'll actually be in this gym right here next week. But here's the thing. Is God calling you to take this step? Is he calling you to take this step? Maybe for you, you've never accepted Christ. You've never gone public with your faith. Maybe for you, you know what? Eyes are open. This is your open up, you know, and, and smell the, the coffee invitation to this life that God's called you to live. Maybe for you, you've been walking with God and you've just never taken a step. Either way, I want to encourage you to do that. I want to encourage you to step out and take this step. If you're a man, step out and take this step. It's important. We're just going to celebrate that next week. And if you have questions, we'd love to talk with you. If you are interested in doing that, you can either talk to any of our staff. I'll hang around up, up here. You can put that on your Connect card and put that in the black boxes. We would love to celebrate this with you. I want to encourage you to come be a part of that. Celebrate with us. And if, that's, if this is you, God's calling you to do this, then don't let fear bully you. Take this step and trust him. Let me close out by just giving you a passage from Paul, 2 Corinthians 6.1. I love this. It says, Compassions, companions, as, as we are in this work with you, we beg you, please don't squander one bit of this marvelous life that God has given you. Gateway. Let's live with passion. And let's look back, regardless of whether we got seven more minutes or 70 more years, and say, 
no regrets. Okay? Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you so much for this day. I know I blazed through a lot of stuff quickly. God, I pray that you would give us time this week to look over Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21, to see where we're short, to see the places where you want to challenge us. God, I pray that you would have your way in our time throughout this series. I pray that you would draw us back because we don't want to live mundane lives and we don't want to live life just kind of missing it, missing the big E on the I chart, which is to love you and love others. Help us to be passionate about the things that, that matter to us. Help us to live lives with intentionality, whether we got 10 more minutes or, again, 75 more years. God, would you speak through this series? Would you challenge our church? Would you, would you help us to look at our lives and to really ask you, what is it that you want to do in our lives? What is it that you want to change? How do you want to, how do you want to move in our lives now? God, we love you. We thank you so much for this day. Thanks for our church. It's in your name we pray. Amen.